Hello and happy Father's Day to all those dads out there. You know, it is great to have you coming along and joining us for church today on Father's Day. I just want to encourage all those dads out there uh, to keep going. Uh, being a dad is a source of great joy and, 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 and just, just absolutely wonderful uh, for so much of it. But there's also those hard bits. And so, you know, I just want to encourage all the dads out there, whatever your age is, uh, to keep going. Keep imparting your love for the Lord to your children, no matter what age they are. Keep setting a great example. And, and we've got an encouragement, a special encouragement, that a bit on the lighter side that might make you giggle today as well as we celebrate fathers. So, so as we do that, we, we celebrate most of all our almighty God, our heavenly Father. And so let's uh, do that as we open the service in prayer and then we'll worship together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you for who you are and what you've done for us and the way that you, you love us and that you want relationship with us. And so, Lord, we, we praise you today. And on this day where we celebrate the dads amongst us, those, those men who, uh, who provide great spiritual insight and, and who encourage us, who are spiritual dads as well as our, our, certainly our physical dads, Lord, we just thank you for them and for, for the great role that they have in our lives. May you strengthen and encourage and, and, and build into the dads this Father's Day, we pray. And so may that you bless this service ahead as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, let, us, let us do that with joy as well. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's sing today as we celebrate dads um, after we watch this video uh, right now to celebrate Father's Day. My wife said that quilts are better than duvets. I told her to be careful making blanket statements like that. Why didn't the melons get married? Because they candlelope. Yeah, getting better. What's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament? Live stream. <laughs> Dad, can you put my shoes on? Nope, I don't think they'll fit me. <laughs> I don't trust this. They're always up to something. <laughs> Why do bees have sticky hair? Because they use honeycomb. <laughs> what do you call someone with no body and no nose? Nobody knows.
Morning by morning, new 
Thank you for being part of our AGM last week uh, for our members. Just, just really want to uh, encourage you all. All motions were passed with overwhelming majority, if not 100%. So many of them were passed with 100%. And so it was a real encouragement uh, to us. So we'll be doing some work um, uh, on, on beginning planning for, for the, the playground shortly and uh, getting all that sorted. So uh, that passed, I'm really looking forward to that. As we value the children and the young families that we do have in our church, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to minister more and more in this area. Uh, that's one asset that will, will add to our, to our people and add to this facility uh, for generations, um, you know, for the next generations to really bless them. So, so congratulations and well done to everyone uh, on your voting. Uh, uh, just, it was a real encouragement to us all. 
Uh, next Sunday is the beginning of my leave. Uh, so I want to leave for two weeks. Um, and so that's, that covers uh, three Sundays. Um, and so during that time, we're going to hear uh, some fresh voices for spring. And so we're going to have three different preachers preaching over those three weeks. And uh, so what you're going to do is uh, this week you'll receive an email from me. Um, I then won't be sending emails out during the next two weeks because they're the weeks of my leave. Um, and this week uh, coming, yeah, you'll receive that that email and on there will be the links to each of those three services. So uh, that's what I'm doing this week is putting those all online and getting them all sorted for you. And church will continue online uh, during that time uh, as normal. And so that's uh, week 25, 26 and 27 of church at home. Uh, so uh, that's coming up. If there's any changes whilst I'm on leave as to what we can do as a church, we'll work those out. Um, the leadership team will, will, will let you know if there's anything going on there. Uh, but whilst I'm on leave, I'd really encourage you, if there's something that you've always wondered, uh, when I come back from leave, I'm gonna preach through a series called I've Always Wondered. So if you've got questions, one of those I'm sure, you know, hopefully has been uh, resolved potentially for you in the second coming and, and in, in the rapture and how all that works. But if there's other questions you've got, then send me an email over the next three weeks. And uh, then when we get back, uh, I'm gonna actually preach some of those topics that people have asked for. Uh, so that's your opportunity to be involved you know, and to, to, to say, I've always wondered about this. Well, let me preach on that and, and, and explain things from God's word for you, if that's something you'd like me to do. Uh, and so uh, that's what we're going to do when I come back from leave. I've always wondered. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, just encouragement also for Math Fuel for Father's Day. Uh, that uh, project uh, concludes today. Uh, so if you wanted to give, um, you can at any point in time throughout September, we'll put it through. Uh, I encourage you for that. Also encourage you to start collecting things for your uh, shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, today, we, we now go into a time of communion. And as we do that, I wanted to focus um, this morning uh, on this passage uh, from, from Romans. It's Romans chapter 5. And... Uh, it, 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 it's from verse 8. It says, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, to me, what stuck out obviously was, you know, the Christ dying and, and his blood and, and what that gives us. But it's really that was born out of God's love for us. It was whilst God, because God loved us that he sent us his son. And in doing that, that act of love on God's behalf has saved us. We are saved. We are reconciled to God. 
And, and God loved us so much that he did that for us whilst we were still sinners. He did that whilst we were enemies of God. So whilst we're enemies, God reconciled us to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that is a great cause for us to rejoice in him. And that's what I see communion as. We not only remember, but we celebrate. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus, but more so we celebrate, we rejoice in what that has unlocked for us through faith and God's grace. We are saved. And so this morning, as we take the elements in our own time during this next song, I would encourage you to remember God's love for us. He, by his work, has saved us. And so a right response is to rejoice in the God of our salvation. So let's do that whilst we take the bread now and the cup when you're ready as we sing. But he brought me in Oh, his love for me Oh, his love for me Who the sun sets free Oh, it's free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I His grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin Jesus died for me Yes, He died for me Who the sun sets free Who is free indeed I'm a child
message in our series from 1 Thessalonians, Think and Live in Light of Christ's Return. As we look at the last 26 verses of chapter 5 of the entire book, the key feature of 1 Thessalonians is that we can all have hope because of the imminent return of Christ, where we will be gathered in the air to meet him and be spared God's wrath. So live your life with that reality in mind. And today Paul covers four topics before he ends his letter with some blessings and parting greetings. These four topics are very important for us as a community of believers, as they address how we should think and live about each other in community together. Those topics that he covers are leadership, doing good, a healthy disposition, and spiritual awareness. So as we walk through Paul's teaching on these important topics about thinking and living together as a community of believers in light of Christ's return, let's pray and ask God to speak into each one of us today through this letter from Paul. Heavenly Father, we ask right now that you open our hearts to hear from you, that you open our minds to the concepts and the, and the, the right thinking that you'd want for us and that, Lord, we would be able to rejoice in community, in healthy community together as we adhere to the instruction that Paul gives through this letter today. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Respecting people in authority and leadership over us does not come naturally as Australians. It's almost been built into our national psyche that, that we have a, a mistrust of leaders, that, that we rail against authority and that we should treat leaders with disdain rather than respect. Now, this might seem valid in our political landscapes at times, and this may seem valid in some workplaces, 
And this may seem valid with some civic authorities, but let me be very clear here. Just as Paul is very clear here, it's not okay in the church. Paul says, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Respect and esteem and love the leaders of the church. You know, there is a natural spiritual hierarchy at work in each local church because God has called and ordained people to positions of leadership over the church. The young congregation in in Thessalonica was not adequately appreciating and respecting its leaders. And so Paul writes to correct this error amongst the young Thessalonian community and instruct how they should instead think and live and act towards the leaders appointed over the church. Those positions of leadership in the church are most clearly identified in Scripture as overseer, elders, pastors, sort of the one concept, and and deacons. So let's look into these anointed roles of leadership and what the Bible says about them to fully understand their roles, their calling, and how we should respond as a community of believers, as family, to the people appointed to leadership over us. So first of all, let's look at elders, pastors, overseers. Since Acts, since the beginning of the church, Paul follows the synagogue pattern of appointing elders. And it is significant that these elders have been appointed from the beginning for such young churches. If we look at James chapter 5, these appointed elders who were called on to pray for the sick, that can be dated back to around 40 AD. Elders, pastors, overseers were known for wisdom and maturity and functioned as leaders in the churches. The terms for overseer, pastor, elder are quite interchangeable and most often refer to the same people. And we also see there is a plurality of elders in the church. There wasn't this one central group of elders like in Jerusalem that governed then all the other churches. Each local body had their own elders. So let's look at some of the scriptures that speak about elders, pastors, overseers, and look out for how they're appointed and and, and what they're appointed to. The first passage is Acts chapter 14, verse 23. It reads, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. As Paul was on his missionary journeys, he would appoint elders over the churches in the various cities. And here in Acts 14, just before this verse in verse 23, Paul is stoned in Lystra. But after being dragged out of the city, supposedly dead, surrounded by faithful believers, he rose up and then preached in the city of Derby, bringing many people to faith in Christ, then went back to Lystra and then on to Iconium and Antioch. And then we read that with prayer and fasting, the elders appointed to the churches are committed to the Lord. And so in this example, elders are appointed by Paul to lead the local churches. And they're committed to the Lord for their work in the church by prayer and fasting. But elders were not then just left to their own devices to figure it all out for themselves. Acts 20 verse 17, we have this this record. 
Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Evidently, Paul would call the elders of different churches to come to where he was to receive training, instruction and encouragement and no doubt to be mentored for their roles in leadership over their churches. Paul also spent a lot of time and energy training and equipping other leaders, most notably Timothy and Titus. And it is in his letters to Timothy and Titus that he outlines some of the finer details about elders. First, we read in 1 Timothy 5 verse 17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. So this supports his instruction here in Thessalonian church that, that church leaders are to be respected, esteemed and loved. The role of an elder, pastor, overseer is not an easy role to fulfil and, and so should be supported, respected, esteemed and loved. And Paul mentions here in 1 Timothy, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. And I understand why Paul gives this instruction because it's not an easy task. And it takes a lot of time and care to teach and preach the Bible well. And there is a weight and heaviness that I'm aware of when, when it comes to preaching and teaching the Scriptures because of the warnings given about leading people astray, causing people to stumble. I don't want to be the cause of someone stumbling or being led astray by false doctrine. I'd be horrified if someone accused me of false teaching because I understand the severity of teaching the scriptures truthfully and faithfully. And so I do study the passages that I preach on very well and try to always ensure that, that I preach and teach the Bible and not my version or take on it, but what it says. The role of a, a pastor, overseer, elder is also one of responsibility and spiritual authority. In Acts chapter 15, we see a dispute decided upon by these overseers, the elders of the church in Jerusalem, who set out a clear path forward. And as we look at the desired attributes of an elder overseer pastor from Paul's instructions to Timothy and Titus, we see the picture painted of godly people who are servants of Christ and his church. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. We get a clearer picture of the character that an overseer, elder, pastor should aspire to to be above reproach, above reproach in their marriage, in the way they conduct themselves, in the way they interact, care for and teach others. 
above reproach in how they treat themselves and others in the, the, their values that they live. Above reproach in the way they lead their household and, and impart wisdom, their wisdom to their children. And they should be spiritually mature and confident in themselves. And Paul writes similarly to, to Titus in chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. He says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Many of the same themes here are in, in this passage uh, to Titus as they were in, in Timothy. But in this passage, there's a much clearer emphasis on sound doctrine. And Paul also clearly instructs Titus to appoint elders in every church. He doesn't say to, to call the congregation together to vote on, on candidates. You know, Paul is basically saying, here are the criteria with God's leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit Pick out the right people from each church in each city and appoint them as overseers, elders, pastors. And this is similar, similar to what we do here at this church. But it's not only Paul who writes about the attributes and character we should all aspire to as elders, overseers, pastors, or as Christians indeed, as those given for, for qualifications uh, for, for a leadership role. Peter, Peter also speaks about this. 1 Peter 5, 1-5. So exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter here evokes this picture of an overseer, elder, pastor, as a shepherd caring for their flock, the congregation, to give willing oversight out of pure motivations and to lead by example. And Peter also gives instructions to the congregation. Be subject to the overseers, elders, pastors in humility. This is a recognition of the calling and anointing upon the leaders of the church that God has placed over us and so to submit to their leadership and shepherding honours God. And his instruction on the younger here, don't just refer to age necessarily. Those who are headstrong and resistant to leadership, Peter says, are to subject themselves to the overseers, elders, pastors of the church. 
God has placed these leaders over us for our good and his glory. And so the right response is to submit to the leadership that have been appointed, that God has anointed and placed over us in the church. And so may I encourage us all to submit to the leaders that have been appointed and that God has anointed for our church. Now, I know this may come across or seem a little bit self-serving as I am one of these overseers, but hear my heart in these. These are not my words. It is the scriptures I'm reading. It is what we are all asked to do. Paul says in our passage in Thessalonians, respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Let's be a people who think and live in light of Christ's return and put the instruction of scripture in action for our good and for God's glory. And may he give grace to us all as we walk in humble submission to him. The other main description of leader in, in the New Testament is a deacon. The birth of the deacon came out of necessity in the early church, as we read in Acts chapter 6. Fair and equitable distribution of resources was an issue. And so at the instruction of the disciples, the people chose seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, to manage the practical affairs of the church. And this has been the general purpose of deacons since. It's a more practical and management leadership role. At that same passage I read earlier from 1 Timothy chapter 3, outlining the qualifications of elders, it continues with the qualifications for deacons. Verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus." The same focus here is for deacons on being above reproach. But there's also the added condition of testing. The main omission, though, as something outside of the expectations for the role of a deacon is the ability to teach sound doctrine. Now, if you look at the qualifications listed in these passages for elders and deacons, and then you look at every elder and deacon in every church, you, you might question the suitability of some of the people in some of these roles. Doing so, though, would make you a judge. And God's the only worthy judge. So I'm, I'm sure that no one is, is uh, taking that role amongst our congregation. But what doesn't, uh, but, but, but why? doesn't every elder or deacon stack up against these remarkably high standards? And they are really high standards. I mean, you could claim someone saying a harsh word violates these standards. Well, I believe that what is listed in these passages by Paul and Peter 
are the spiritual attributes and the practical outworkings of God's grace in our lives that we should all be striving towards. These are not just lists for those that want to be in leadership. These are attributes that each and every Christian, every believer in Christ should be striving towards. Paul and Peter, they they outline the standards that they believe every Christian should be striving towards. And that is why we should respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and also esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Because they, just like all of us, are striving to think and live in light of Christ's return. And that means striving towards these attributes by the grace of God. So encourage our leaders. And of the be- one of the best ways to encourage the leaders of our church is to support them as a unified body. And I was so encouraged last week with the AGM that every single motion was passed with either complete 100% unanimous support or by a super overwhelming majority. No motion had more than one vote against. That was, that was really super encouraging for the leaders of our church to know that they have the congregation's full support, not only for the direction that we're going, but also for them as our leaders. Thank you all for your encouragement to our leaders. And may I say, keep it up. Keep encouraging our leaders. The next po- topic that Paul addresses is doing good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, so that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. See, there was an issue that had crept into the church in Thessalonica. Some people had given up gainful employment and were relying on the wealthier members of the congregation to provide for them. This was not on. Paul says to admonish the idol, to warn and reprimand them for this kind of behaviour. If they are able to work and provide for themselves, they should. Paul also instructs the community to encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak whilst displaying patience. These faint-hearted and weak could have been so due to, to persecution or even from grief that they were suffering for those who had passed away. And so it's important that as a community, we continue to care for, encourage, and patiently help those who need it, who are part of our community. Patience is one thing that the Lord has not blessed me with naturally. Uh, this is, it's one area I, I really struggle with. You know, Kelly, however, seems to have it for days. And so it's really important that we acknowledge our own strengths and weaknesses as a community and that we step in and operate in our areas of strength and encourage and care for people, stepping in to assist where others may be weaker, filling the gaps in other people's weaknesses. That's what being part of a vibrant family, a community of faith means. That is all part of doing community well. Paul then instructs believers not to repay evil for evil. It's pretty clear and pretty easy, but a good reminder for us. When someone has hurt us or treated us poorly, 
It's a natural response to want to get even or to get revenge. We feel that somehow if we can make them suffer like, like they've made us suffer, then, then that'll make us feel better. But that's a lie. Romans 12, 19, Paul writes, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That is God's job, not ours. So what is our job? Well, Paul says, don't repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So instead of trying to get even, get good instead. Seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That's a broad statement, isn't it? Do good to those in your community of faith and to everyone. So believers are instructed to do good to those that despise you, to do good to those that may have hurt you, to do good to those that don't like you, to do good to those that are your enemy. Do good to them too. This, this truly is a radical life that we've been called to as believers in Christ to do good to each other in our community and to do good to everyone else as well. This is what inspires our vision for joyful service, to be joyfully serving everyone as we bring hope, even those who don't like us, to do good. Paul then gives three more continuous or, or endless instructions and these all combine to help believers have a healthy disposition. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, that, that's never ending. Pray without ceasing, that is never ending. Give thanks in all circumstances, circumstances are never ending. These are three endless instructions for believers and form an extremely healthy disposition if we can display these attributes. There is no end date on these instructions. They are continuous. But there are times where this becomes so awfully hard. Rejoice always? Really? Even now? Even now with all that's going on? Even now in our circumstances? Give thanks in all circumstances? Really? Even now? Are you sure? How can Paul make these seemingly ri ridiculous statements? He doesn't even know what we must all face. Well, rejoicing always is more of a, a state of mind, I believe. You know, joy in Paul's letters is a, is a basic mark of the Christian and a fruit of the Spirit. It's often associated with the firm hope we have in Christ as Christians. And praying without ceasing suggests a mental attitude of prayerfulness, continual personal fellowship with God and consciousness of being in His presence throughout the day. And Christians, 
We're to be marked by thanksgiving because we have so much to be thankful for. And so if we look at these as the general dispositions and attitudes that, that, we should, that, that should characterise believers that form a healthy disposition, then we see that actually most of us, we're probably stacking up pretty good, generally speaking. But I'm sure that all of us have gone through some down days recently. And I've been speaking with many of you over the last few weeks and months. Most have made mention of of some struggles and, and a few of those down days. And that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. Sometimes it all just does get a bit much. And we do, we feel a little bit sorry for ourselves and and the worries of the world, our our family and our friends can get to us, particularly with with distance and, and isolation. It's okay to be vulnerable. But what is important is that we don't stay there. You know, we always have something to rejoice in. We always have so much to be thankful to God for. And we can always pray to the Lord and cast our cares and anxieties upon him who cares for us. So have a healthy disposition. Paul then gives instructions on spiritual awareness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from evil, abstain from every form of evil. The example Paul gives of the Thessalonian church's quenching of the spirit was in prophecies. But I think that in our conservative evangelical churches today, quenching the spirit is something that we need to pay close attention to as well. And this might be you know, this, this might in fact be, be a personal issue that we can work on during these times. Having an openness to the work of the Holy Spirit and developing awareness of the Spirit's activity, leading and guidance of our lives and following in submission to the work of the Spirit as well. Now, I believe that we can, can often be, be too quick to dismiss the Spirit and not be open and responsive. This can come from our theology and from our experience. You know, I've experienced what my sceptical mind has flagged as questionable when it comes to spiritual sounding activity, prophecies, tongues, etc. And so I'm probably too cautious and, and maybe on the sceptical side. And it's something I need to work on to be more responsive to the spirit, but also not be led astray testing and keeping what is good. Our theology, what we think and believe, can also cause us to be closed to the Spirit. You know, one view that can impact this quite significantly is that of cessationist theology. This is the view that all the sign gifts have ceased because we now have the Scriptures to bear witness. My issue with the cessationist point of view is that that cessationists are basically saying to God 
that he can no longer do something to work or move in a way he has before. And I've got a problem with that. But on the other side of the same coin, I also have a problem with how open to manipulation and misuse some of these sign gifts can be. And so we need to approach the work of the Spirit with openness, but also remember to test everything as Paul instructs. So how do we test something? Well, there's a couple of basic rules, and I'm just talking about basics. I don't have time to go into the great depth here. The work of the Spirit will never contradict God's revealed Word. If it's at odds with God's Word, then that's a clear indication it has failed the test. And it will also be for God's glory and for our good. God doesn't lead us into moral compromises or personal gain at the expense of other believers. If it seems to be doing that, then it has failed the test. Just just some basics there to, to help guide us. And so Paul's encouragement to us is to be open to the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, but to apply ourselves to testing and keeping what is good. And in doing so, committing ourselves to being responsive to the Spirit's leading and guidance and and abstaining from all forms of evil. Paul then writes his conclusion to his letter, which contains some amazing blessings for believers. And these extend to us today. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Paul rounds out his letter again with a focus on Christ's return, that God would himself sanctify us completely declare us holy completely and that we be kept blameless spirit, soul and body for the coming of Christ. God is faithful and will surely make it happen. We can have full confidence that this is the future for each of us, a complete source of our eternal hope. And to round out the entire book, Paul finishes with some final greetings and instructions from verse 25. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That is 1 Thessalonians. And so as we think and live in light of Christ's return, as a community of believers, we have learnt today that we should respect, esteem and love the leaders of our church, that we should do good, maintain a healthy disposition and remain open to the Spirit. And as we do that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's sing. I raise it.
to give your dad a call, wish him a happy Father's Day and uh, to, to enjoy this day that uh, the Lord has made and to be glad and rejoice in it, to maintain that healthy disposition. So I encourage everyone to celebrate the men in your lives on this Father's Day, to encourage them and to, to uphold them and, and to pray for them and continue to pray for our leaders as well. 
Today though, just love your dad or, or love your husband or love that man in your life that, uh, that, it, that, that, that takes on that, that fatherly role for you. Um, we all have those wonderful men. And uh, so, so, so reach out, make contact, love, care, and uh, I'm gonna enjoy some bacon muffins for lunch today. So I'm really looking forward to them too. So I'd encourage everybody, blessings to you all.